So, um, kids, how many here feel like coming up and getting candy today? If you feel like coming, yep, coming up and getting candy, it's very, very easy, I promise. I'm going to ask you to state your name and your age, and then I have two simple questions that I want to ask you. Okay, we only have brave boys today, huh? Adults, if you want to come up too, that's good. Okay, so state your name and your age. Caven Berkeley and I. Caven's okay, nine years old. Now, if you had a choice to enjoy this life that you were living or to hate this life you were living, what would you choose? Love. He chooses to live his life. Now, what is one thing in your life that you really love or that you really enjoy? My family helping me. With what? Out of curiosity. Homework. Oh, help with homework. Way to go, Mom and Dad. Okay. Here you go. It's that simple. Lane Berkeley, M10. Okay. Uh, if you had a choice to enjoy the rest of your life or to hate the rest of your life, what would you choose? Love it. And what is something that you enjoy just on a regular basis in life? Mom and Dad. Mom and Dad. All right. Okay. There you go. You get the orange kind. Caleb, 10 years old. Okay, if you had a choice to spend the rest of your life, whether it's six months or 60 years, if you could enjoy those years, would you like to or not? Okay, what is something that you enjoy doing um, that makes life enjoyable? Sitting with my parents <laughs> Another suck-up. <laughs> what? Okay, all right. You know, I was expecting, like, hunting, shooting baskets, camping. Okay, what is my name is Liam, and I am eight years old. Okay, Liam's eight years old. Now, if you had a choice to enjoy the rest of your life with good things or bad things, what would you prefer? Good things. Okay, what is something that you enjoy doing now that you might enjoy doing later? Playing basketball. Playing basketball. Okay. Good job. It's that simple. Anybody else? We got some more takers. What's your name and what's your name? Wiley, and I'm nine. Okay, Wiley, you're nine. It's nice to meet you. You look sharp today. See this? This kid looks better than I do. He's more like on the line of Kurt with the suit jacket. But Okay, now if you could enjoy life the rest of your life and have, be happy or to be sad, which would you prefer? Happy. Okay, you prefer to be happy. Now, what is something that, you, that makes you happy to do? Mm, my grandpa and grandma, my mom and dad, hug on me. No brothers or sister. Okay. Oh, they're, they're, oh we, won't, we won't share that with everybody. About his brother and sister. So, if, how many of you here are willing to admit that you would like to enjoy life? Me too. I would love to. I mean, a lot of my life makes me happy, but if I had the option of enjoying life, or not enjoying life, I'm definitely going to choose life. I want to enjoy the food that I eat, even though it's not the things that I wanted to eat before. Noah brought me a hamburger home last night and french fries. Couldn't eat it because of this. Anyway, but it's very thoughtful of him. Uh, but if you, I want to enjoy the food that I eat. I want to enjoy the wife that I married. I want to enjoy the vacation that I take. I want to enjoy my bank account, all the money that's in it. I don't think anybody here says, I would rather choose the opposite. I would rather not enjoy what life has to offer. You know, uh, but not, life doesn't always work out the best for everybody. Uh, but nobody wants to miss out if they can help it. Nobody wants to retire one day and then die the next day. 
Nobody wants to marry somebody and expect to live the rest of their life with them only to uh, miss out on that relationship because of some tragedy. Nobody wants to pay for a vacation that they, they can't take. Nobody wants to uh, stock up a pile of money in a bank account that they cannot use. And yet that happens. There are stories like this of people who get married one moment uh, and then just to find out that on their honeymoon, they both, one or both of them died. You know, sometimes it's from something silly like taking a picture or a selfie, they fall off the cliff. I've heard of people who uh, go skydiving and something doesn't work out for one of them as a way to celebrate or just, just a car accident. Uh, but nobody wants to have that kind of excitement they're looking forward to and not get to enjoy. Uh, but there are people who, who go through that. You know, last Sunday, probably while we were sitting here, um, there was a, a young man, 41 years old, by the name of Kobe Bryant, who, who had just that experience happen. He was a guy who was, uh, let me just read a little bit of information. I'm not a basketball fan, so I really didn't know much. But Bryant, he was an 18-time NBA All-Star who won five championships and became one of the greatest basketball players of his generation during a 20-year career with Los Angeles Lakers, died in a helicopter crash on Sunday. You know, doing a little research, Kobe was worth over $500 million. And guess how much of that money he's going to be able to enjoy? Not one red cent. Now, if Solomon was here today, if he was up here preaching to us, uh, he would say, this is another evil. This is, this is a very sad thing. And that's kind of the situation we're going to be looking at today with Solomon uh, in Ecclesiastes chapter 6 about a man who's had given, been given all these benefits, all these uh, riches and wonders uh, from God, but he does not get to enjoy them. And he says, this is another evil. Now, before we get into uh, the, the message, I want to recap a little bit. Since he's saying this is another evil, means there has to be other evils uh, that have happened before this. And by evil, I, I'm not meaning God did something wrong. Solomon's not, not trying to say God did something wrong. But he's saying that it's adversity, that it's something that's hurt, hurtful, that it's a trouble that people have to go through. It is tough for us to see as humans for people to have everything and not get to enjoy them. So before we get into today's message, we're going to recap a little bit of what we've looked at in the past. In Ecclesiastes 1 and 2, we saw that uh, Solomon was saying that everything is meaningless how people were searching after wisdom and pleasures and riches and their work, and ultimately those things won't satisfy. And that's meaningless. That's, that's a tragedy. That, in Solomon's eyes, is something that's evil. It doesn't seem right. Uh, we saw in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, uh, in the message titled Common Ground, uh, the common fate number one is that all pass away. It doesn't matter if you're wise or if you're foolish. It doesn't matter if you're rich or you're poor. All are going to pass away. And something that we looked at tied into last week uh, that we looked at that point was that all possessions stay. It's sad that you spend your whole life trying to stockpile this stuff and none of it goes with you. That's another evil. Solomon says this is not fair. Oh, in Ecclesiastes 3, we talked about time. There's a time for this season and a time for that season. But all you have to do is do it over and over again. There's never a completion or a point where you say, I've arrived, I've accomplished this. Solomon would say that is an evil. Life is unfair. There is oppression. There is inequality. That's hard for us as the human mind to grasp, to, to want to accept as what really is because we want to say that is unfair. And Solomon says 
That just doesn't seem right. It's an evil. Last week, we talked again about the love of money. That uh, the money that we love, all the wealth that we possess, is not going to satisfy. It was never meant to satisfy. All, this, all, the, all we, that we get from the love of money is stress because we want to hang on to our possessions. But the saddest thing I think that Solomon would say is that it is all going to stay. Meaningless, meaningless. Everything is meaningless. This is, and this is Solomon's thought process as he's trying to come across what really matters. This another evil is more proof in the pudding. It's another link in the chain as Solomon's trying to come to the reality of what is the purpose of life. What really matters after I'm gone? What can I do to feel like I'm fulfilled, that I'm doing exactly what is going to um, mean something to my life now and mean something to my life later? And we'll see later on in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13, that Solomon has finally reached the goal, the purpose of life, and what really matters. But this, another evil that we're looking at today, is found in not enjoying the life and gift that God has blessed you with. And we're going to be in Ecclesiastes chapter 6. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 12. And he says, first of all, I have seen another evil under the sun, and it weighs heavily on men. God gives men wealth possessions and honor so that he lacks nothing his heart desires okay so i'm gonna stop right there because that doesn't make any sense another evil everything sounds really good well we'll look at what's really terrible about that but the first point thing i want to point out is that the wealth the possessions that solomon is looking at the wealth and possessions that we have we only have because god gives us gives them to us and solomon he looks at this guy and i'm going to say this guy is real I'm going to say Solomon is looking down, or as he's walking through the city, he recognizes the guy who has everything that his heart desires. Here's a guy who has more land than the average guy does. And to top it off, he has more cows on more of the land than the average guy does. And then on top of that, he has more servants to take care of the land uh, that's more than the average guy has. And even better than that, he gains so much more wealth because he has servants taking care of the cows who take care of the land that's producing everything uh, that's blessing him with everything that he has, more than the average guy has. And where did this guy get this wealth? He got this wealth from God. God gave it to him. You know, and, and it's, God didn't say, here, Solomon's friend, I'm going to write you this check and give it to you, but God is in control of everything. If somebody has something good, it's because God gave it to them. Some have more than others, but ultimately everything good that Solomon is looking that this guy has, he only has it because God gave it to him. The same is true for us today. The, only, the wealth that we have, we have because God gave it to us. Last week we talked about examples of wealth. We talked about jewelry. We talked about baseball cards. We talked about my house in Davenport. We talked about paintings or bank account. Although everything, everything wealthy that you have that's considered wealth, God gave that to you. And where do we get our wealth from? We get it from God. It's a very simple truth. But God doesn't just say, you know what, because my, my people are serving me, I'm going to bless them. And because these people don't love me, I'm not going to bless them. It doesn't work that way. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 45, it says, God causes the rain to fall on the righteous and the unrighteous. A lot of people out there aren't loving Jesus, and they get the same amount of rain that you're getting. They get, they get the bank account that maybe you're not getting. It's not based off of being a Christian or not. God has just chosen to bless some 
more than others, but everything that they have is become God is from God. Every talent, every skill, every use of our brain, we only have because God gave it to us. And I think if we all stop and think about that, we say, you know what? That's not really hard to accept. We, we, we've grown up enough in life. We all, I think, have enough wealth that we say, I'm happy for what I have. Sure, I'd like a little bit more. But we all recognize we all have some kind of wealth and we have it from God. But where it gets hard to handle is when we don't get to enjoy it. Ecclesiastes chapter 2 uh, to 6, 6a. It says, um, So God gives a man wealth, possessions, and honor so that he lacks nothing his heart desires. But God does not enable him to enjoy them, and a stranger enjoys them instead. This is meaningless, a grievous evil. A man may live a hundred, uh, may have a hundred children and live many years, yet no matter how long he lives, if he cannot enjoy his prosperity and does not receive proper burial, I say that a stillborn child is better off than he. It comes without meaning, it departs in darkness, and in darkness its name is shrouded. Though it never saw the sun or knew anything, it has more rest than does the man, even if he lives a thousand years twice over, but fails to enjoy his prosperity. Do not all go to the same place. Solomon goes on to say that if somebody is given, has all his wealth, he has all this land, he has the cows, he has all the servants and all the money, but he does not get to enjoy them, how sad is that? That, that sounds like a very sad situation. And he says what makes it worse, you know, if, if I die, um, everything that I have goes to my kids because, because I have kids in their family line. But Solomon, he's not even talking about that. He's saying if this guy dies, a stranger comes and takes over his, his land, takes over his cows, takes over his servants, gets all his wealth. Well, what's the point in that? He just did all that work for, for not even for somebody that he loves, somebody that he cares about. It's for some complete stranger without even that person even having to work for it. It's really, really sad. Now, I think the same thing would, we would agree with, too. If somebody in our life that we love and cared for very deeply had everything that they finally wanted, they got to the point where they should be able to enjoy it, and then they, they die, we would think, well, what, how's that fair? You know, think about your spouse, whoever your spouse happens to be. If they get to the point of retiring and they die without enjoying it, uh, do you want to question, well, what was the point of that? I mean, sure, I get to enjoy it, but what was the point of my spouse retiring if they didn't get to enjoy everything that they worked for? If your kids or your grandkids fall in love with some romantic Romeo or Juliet and go off and get married only to die on their honeymoon, are you going to start questioning uh, why God did that have to happen? They, they had the world by the tail, everything they wanted, everything needed, they would say, I think we could all say, well, what was the point? I don't think that's very fair. It's another evil. It does not seem right. Or think about Kobe Bryant, who was 41, worth over $500 million, dying in an accident, up flying in a helicopter with his daughter and with some friends. I'm sure he spent millions of dollars. I'm sure he was very happy with what he had, but there's $500 million plus dollars that he did not get to enjoy. All the hopes, all the plans, all the dreams, uh, just like Kobe, would go right out the window and it wouldn't do anything. Everything that Kobe had is from God. Everything that we have is from God. Kobe's never going to enjoy it. And for, the, for some of us, that might be the case. We might get to the point where we 
We get all the stuff acquired, but we do not get to enjoy it. And then we're going to be asking why. It does not seem fair. It's hard to accept. It sounds terrible. But there are those who don't get to enjoy it. It's happened before. It will happen again. And before we're done, I want to point out very clearly, what do we do because of that? Instead of sticking all my eggs into my basket of this earth and saying, I want to be happy with what's here, Solomon has something better that he wants to point us to to say this is what better is better, this is what it means more. So the first one is somebody who, who gets everything from God, but he does not enjoy it. That's sad. The second one is somebody who gets everything from God, but he's not content with what he has gotten from God. Verses 7 through 9. It says, All man's efforts are for his mouth, yet his appetite is never satisfied. What advantage has a wise man over a fool? What does a poor man gain by knowing how to conduct himself before others? Better what the eye sees than the roving of the appetite. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. The same now as the same then, there is a struggle to be content. People of that day, that guy who had that land, who had those cows, who had that servant, who had that bank account, may not have been content with what he has. You look at your life, I look at my life, and it is a struggle to be content. Now, I can tell you exactly how to be content. If you want to know the secret, I think I know what it is to be content. Okay? Leslie thinks that's funny. But to try to do it is that's what's really a lot harder. That's a little more challenging. So here's what I would think to be, to be content is to keep my eyes off of what you have that I want. That's going to help me to be content. And the other thing is just to be thankful for what I have. That is going to help me to be content. And, and Solomon is saying, it's the same for the wise man as for the foolish man. Uh, you know, the wise man, he's the guy who saves his money. He invests it into the stock market. He's the guy who buys quality things so he's not re replacing them over and over again. He can be discontent. He can live a life without enjoying what God has given him. Or the foolish man who says, you know what, I got a couple bucks. I'm going to squander it here. I got a little bit of, of extra cash. I'm going to spend it there. I'm just going to live this life for today because this is all I know that is here. This is all I know that is coming. This guy never even makes a, an investment in his life because he has no idea what's coming down the road. It's the same for him, uh, whether he's content or whether, he, or whether it's for the foolish man or the wise man. If they get something from God and they do not enjoy it, uh, that they're not content with it. Verse 9, Solomon says, Better what the eye sees than the roving of the appetite. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Now I think about what the eye sees. I think of it as you're, you're, you're putting your eyes off of what you actually have. Because he's contrasting what the eye sees versus what the roving of, of looking around. So I think what the eye sees is being content with what I actually have. As humble as it may be, as much as somebody else may have something better, something nicer, more of it, to be content with what I have. He says it's better to be content than just look around always trying to be satisfied with something else. Now this might seem like an odd example, but I have this friend, uh, I haven't talked to him for years and years, uh, but I always think about this guy when I think about somebody who is never satisfied, so he's always looking. And this was a guy who, when I was in high school, he got dates that I could not believe. I'm like, you look at this guy, you look at his date, you say, these things don't even go together. But he kept getting date after date after date. And he's probably 42, 43 right now. Guess what he's doing? Date after date after date. 
not ever satisfied. He's going to miss out because he never was willing to say, okay, this is what is the best for me. I'm, I'm going to be content with this. He's always looking for something else. Obviously, it's better to be content with what I have instead of trying to find something else. So whether you, wherever you find yourself, if you find yourself as somebody who, who's God's blessed, and you say, I'm not content with it, or you say, uh, God's blessed me and I am content with it, we, everybody falls into the same boat. We all have the same faith. You know, back to 6b, it says, even if this guy lives to be a thousand years twice over but fails to enjoy his prosperity, do not all go to the same place. We all have the same common faith. Yes, some of us are going to heaven. Hopefully all of us are. But obviously the whole world is not going to work that way. But we all are going to pass away. We are all going to die. And all my stuff is going to stay. Just like everything that Kobe Bryant had is going to stay. Somebody else is going to enjoy it. Hopefully my wife and my kids are going to enjoy it. And it's not going to be like this guy in Ecclesiastes where just whoever could get their hands on it got to enjoy it. But the thing is, we are all going to die. Nobody gets a free pass. I wish I could stand up here and say, boy, that, that church in Plevin is a really special church. And I, those people are, are, are really great people. And they don't deserve to have to go through some miserable experience and actually die in the heartache of losing other people. But that's not the case. Unless God comes back, everybody in here is going to die being good people, just like somebody out there who commits the worst, most awfulest crime that has ever been committed. Solomon is right. We are all going to die. And most likely, it's not going to be at a convenient time. Um, you know, God's not giving me a, a countdown saying, you know what, five more years, Josh, and then you're out of here. I don't have any warning signs as, as to when it's going to take place unless it's really too late to do something about it. It's just more likely just boom, and then you're done. And the Bible says in Hebrews 9.27 that it is appointed for men once to die. That is what you have in common. Not, maybe you don't have riches like somebody else. Maybe you don't have contentment like somebody else. But you can all lump yourself in the same group and say that we are all going to die. And, and the thing is that we need to do is to make sure we are ready for it. Not to keep a stiff upper lip. You know, not to just to try to be healthier and try to be more active to prolong our life but to do what God says that we need to do to be prepared. Uh, you know, because what we've, in, you know, in Awana, we've talked a lot about the Romans road, and these kids are working on learning. This is the Romans road, Romans 3.23 and 6.23, and this is what you need to know. So I'm going to try to give you that. You know, the Bible says in Romans 3.23 that we have all sin. The content person, the person who's not content, the, the super athletic like Kobe Bryant, or the me who's just, who gets, who's not super athletic. You know what? Everybody has sinned. I think we can easily admit that. God says because we've sinned, we cannot go to heaven. But God says, I didn't want you to go to hell. I want you to go to heaven, so I'm going to do whatever it takes to get you there. Jesus is going to come die on the cross to pay for your sins so that you can have eternal life. In Romans 10:9, if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. We're all going to die. Hopefully not this week, but we're all going to die. It's something unexpected, uh, and it might be unintentional, just like Kobe Bryant. He had no idea that it was coming. Last Sunday, he was in, up in a helicopter 
Um, probably thinking he was going to go home and watch the Pro Bowl, thinking today he was going to go home and watch the Super Bowl, probably had plans for all these things, thinking I'm looking forward to what this life has to offer. If, I, if I'm not mistaken, the basketball season in the NBA is, I don't know if it's going or starting to go, but he's probably looking forward to what that season had to bring. But he doesn't get to. Hopefully he knew Jesus as his Savior. I have no idea anything about him except for he was 41, 18 out of 20 years, he was an, an all-star, worth over $500 million. He died unexpectedly. So are you ready? If you died this week unexpectedly, would you stand before Jesus knowing that you were forgiven because he took your punishment for you so that you can have eternal life? Or would you stand before Jesus with your, your hands on your head or your hands behind your back knowing that you're guilty of the punishment that's coming for you because you don't have to stand there guilty you can stand there ready to meet Jesus because you put your faith in him so if we took all this together and we tried to, uh, that we looked at today and tried to put it together for just for just a few more minutes uh, first first of all we see that there are people who are given wealth and riches and honor from God but they don't get to live to enjoy them that's a tragedy there are people who are given wealth possessions and honor by God but they're not content with them Whatever side of the, the category they fall into, uh, they fall into the same one, the same fate that we are all going to die. That's, that's the one thing that we can guarantee that we all have in common. Now, when you look at uh, Solomon, he, he seems like he's wrestling with this idea of what really matters, what's really true, because the whole book of Ecclesiastes, all the way up until the very end, He's, he's, he's putting down his thoughts of what got him to the realization of what really matters. And so I think he's just struggling about what is the point. If you read verse 12, he says, For who knows what is good for a man in life during the few and meaningless days he passes through like a shadow? Who can tell him what will happen under the sun after he is gone? What's the point of life? What, what's coming after this? Psalm is wondering, what, what's, what do I have to look forward to? But we know that Solomon can answer his own question. Solomon has learned after going through life, after trying every pleasure, of after seeking everything to find his life purpose and meaning, he finally found it. He found the secret to true contentment, to true purpose in life. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13 and 14, he says, Now all has been heard. Here's the conclusion of the matter. Here's what really matters. Fear God means I'm going to say no to the things that I'm not supposed to do because I love God as much as, as like a kid loves their parent and does not want to hurt their parent. And I'm going to keep his commandments. I'm going to do what it is that God asked me to do because I love him, because this is what makes him happy. It's because he's what he's asking me to do. For this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden deed, whether it is good or evil. So what is, he says, for who knows what is good for man the few days of his life is to fear God and keep his commandments. He says, who can tell him what's going to happen under the sun after he's gone? He doesn't know what's going to happen on this earth, but he knows that when he stands before God, he's going to have his, his deeds judged by God, whether they were good or bad. He's going to receive a reward for it. God's going to bring every deed into judgment. You know, people live every day of this life not knowing what is going to happen, hope, hopefully enjoying what it is that this life has to offer them. But people die uh, every moment of the day too. Those who had everything that you could, that the world says this is going to make you happy, and they die without enjoying it, like Kobe Bryant, who is worth over $500 million, 
Others are going to enjoy his wealth instead of himself. But there's going to be people who are, who are experiencing God's blessing who are not going to be content with it. They just think just a little bit more. Just a little bit more money. Just another, you know, another square foot. Another, uh, another outfit. Whatever it is, they say, if I just have a little bit more, then I'll be happy. But really, there's another, there's another category. If you, didn't find, if you didn't hear me say it, I didn't say it. You have those who have who don't get enjoy. You have those who are, uh, have but are not content. But there is actually people who are content. And that might be, you might be saying, you know what? God has blessed me. I know it's from him. And I'm one of those people who's actually content with what, his, what God has given me. But if you're not, I would encourage you, take your eyes off of what everybody else has that you think is going to make you happy and just tell God thank you for what you have. But overall, I want you to make sure that you're ready to meet Jesus because you're going to meet him someday. Make sure that you are uh, put your faith in him, trusting him alone for salvation and not anything else. Don't put it off thinking, boy, just a little bit more time of what this world has to offer. Then Jesus say, you know what? Today's the day I'm going to choose Jesus. And if for you out there who say, I know Jesus, I want to encourage you to make this life count. Make, live your life for what really matters. Fear God and keep his commandments because that's your whole purpose. That's the whole duty of man. That's, that's what God's asking us to do. That's what Solomon has determined is what's really going to matter in the end. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for what you have given us. God, I thank you. We know that every good thing we have is from you. Our health, our houses, um, our possessions, the, the money we have in the bank account, we only have because, God, you allowed us to have it, and we thank you for that. God, I know we can look around this world and see examples of sad things, of people getting married. They don't get to enjoy that marriage. People who get a, um, they, they take a vacation, but they don't come back alive from it, God. And we just look and say, boy, that's just tough, and that's terrible. God, please let those stories be reminders to us of what really matters. It's not the money that matters. It's not the vacation that matters. It's not my spouse is supposed to bring me ultimate happiness, God, that my purpose and happiness is found in you and fearing you and keeping your commandments. I just pray that, God, you would just burn that into our brains, that we need to serve you and love you, and that's what's really going to matter. God, if somebody here does not know you as their Savior, please burn that into their brain so that they cannot sleep, so that they need to talk to you about uh, accepting you as their Savior and having eternal life. Thank you, God, for your grace. Thank you, God, for this day and for all the good things you have given us to enjoy. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.